marketing and digital consultancy Kate Hamer Limited. I've worked in large brands like Unilever, Disney and L'Oreal for over 15 years and a decade of that in digital. So I know how hard it can be to keep up to date with the fast-moving world of digital and this podcast will hopefully help you by giving you a summary of the latest news and key topics in the industry. Thanks to everyone who's downloaded it. Do subscribe and leave a review. I really want this to be your podcast, so do tweet me at LTD or email kate at katehamer.com with any feedback, questions or topics you'd like me to cover. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to try a few different ways of doing this podcast so that we can find the most efficient and useful way for everyone. So do definitely send me feedback as you listen and uh, see different launches and stuff coming from it. So we've got a month's worth of news to catch up on. Let's get cracking. Starting as ever with social media, there was an interesting report from Tubular Labs that was showing the top creators of video in the UK for August. So Unilad and Lad Bible are at the top of the table. The dreaded Daily Mail is fourth. Uh, I'd actually dispute the sort of creators title really because a lot of the videos that are being used on Unilad and Lad Bible are obviously created by other people but they are always loaded straight to the Facebook and YouTube channels of those accounts so they're obviously getting the native views but as with every podcast all the useful links and examples of things that I talk about are at katehamer.com. On to Facebook. So Facebook are eyeing up rights to broadcast sports in emerging markets they've actually made an offer to UEFA for the Champions League and the Europa League to show in places where it's not already shown on TV they weren't offering any money so needless to say UEFA have turned them down at the moment they obviously can't be seen to be giving rights away for free when they charge for them in other markets where they're shown on TV channels But it does raise interesting points about sports broadcasting and what needs to happen in the future. It's going to be very different than just TV rights. On Facebook, there's 650 million people following an account for a sports team, player or news outlet. And 200 million of them are on Instagram as well. Facebook are now offering brands an opportunity to do a brand lift study across TV and Facebook. So in the past, it's been difficult to compare ad performance across the media platforms. And advertisers have been asking to be able to better understand the effectiveness of Facebook ads versus TV, for example, and how to unify those metrics. 79% of marketers say they'd prefer to use one set of metrics across all screens. So Facebook have now introduced a new measurement solution, which will enable advertisers to see the impact of their ad campaigns on Facebook and TV, as well as the incremental impact of both platforms when used together. So Nielsen Total Brand Effect with Lyft and Facebook Cross-Platform Brand Lyft will provide advertisers with the ability to evaluate the impact of their campaigns across the two media. They're seeing, when they're looking at particularly studies of using Facebook and TV together, they're seeing that Facebook video ads are a natural complement to TV campaigns and they're seeing better recall from people who have 
experienced both ads. Still with Facebook, they're rolling out a new feature that allows you to promote third-party influencer content as a brand. So that's existed for a while now on Twitter where you could whitelist someone's account and then promote their tweets from your brand. Now you can do it on Facebook as well. So the creator would write their post, they'd tag the page using the branded content tool, they'd tick a box to say that that post can be promoted and then the advertisers can boost that content they can pick um, who can tag them, so you won't just get anyone who can tag you as a brand, which is good. And you'll also get extra access to stats around reach, engagement, total spend, CPM, like you would with normal ad campaigns. One of the articles that I read, and there's a link to it on the companion page, was saying that maybe this is going to be bad for influencers. They could perhaps lose some leverage because obviously if brands are looking at how they promote ads they might not want to pay as much to the influencer in the first place having a huge audience isn't going to be the main thing anymore as well because this will mean that you can look at potentially niche influencers and then boost them with ad spend so that's maybe more interesting in terms of the amount of influencers that you could work with and there is a suspicion that Facebook might tweak its algorithm to make it harder for influencer content to stand out on its own because they'll obviously want to encourage people to invest in paid amplification of it. But let's not be so cynical just yet. Let's see what happens. And obviously keep an eye on Instagram to see when they're going to introduce it there. Normally things that happen on Facebook do roll out on Instagram as well. In terms of viewability on Facebook, there's been some discussion recently about what should be defined as a view and Facebook are saying that they're committed to offering advertisers flexibility when it comes to video viewability metrics because they're saying that it's not one size fits all. So they're seeing over 100 million hours of video being watched every day on Facebook and they're predicting that 75% of all mobile data traffic will be video by 2020. So they're saying that the amount of time that you might want to watch a video could be different by brand so for example if it was Chanel you might want someone to watch at least 10 seconds and you'd be prepared to pay for that but if you were maybe a cheap sort of direct response advertiser you wouldn't want to be paying that same amount so they don't want to necessarily put constraints on viewability and view duration that would mean prices will rise they're saying they're also saying that there's a correlation between age and scroll speed and that older users scroll slower. So if you set a particular target of how long you wanted the video to be watched for, you might end up targeting older viewers without necessarily meaning to. Few little test things that are happening on Facebook. So one is that they are testing getting feedback from users on content that's potentially breaking the rules. There's an embedded tweet on the companion page to show that, but basically shows an image and asks people to say whether there is any violence in the picture, any um, nudity, etc. It also looks like they're testing in-app payment methods. Again, there's a screenshot on the companion page. And a new way of protecting your profile photo is being tested in India so that people can't steal your photo and create um, replica profiles. Facebook are also looking at a CV tool which will allow users to list their education, professional experience, contact details, image and other info and recruiters would be able to access that portion of your profile without seeing the personal side of your profile. 
So obviously that's a threat to LinkedIn potentially. There was a great piece in the Times about this. So again, there's a link on the companion page about the blurring of work and personal life and what that means in terms of your social pages. So have a read of that. Some stats have started to come out from Facebook Watch, which I've spoken about before on the podcast, the new um, longer format video content that uh, Facebook is creating. Average views of videos on there are 23 seconds versus about 16.7 seconds, I think, on the Facebook news feed. So they are watching for longer. I imagine that 23 seconds is because a lot of people are watching for just a couple of seconds and it's bringing it down. But it seems to be going in the right direction. Again, I think it's super low, really. I don't think it's a great retention rate especially if you think the content can range from sort of four minutes to 10 or 20 minute episodes. Facebook are also testing polls with GIFs, which I, again, have embedded an example on the companion page, and also enabling people to create custom audiences for ads based on offline activity. So if you know they've been into your shop, for example, you can target them with a different ad to perhaps people that, you know, haven't been into your shop. And there's also a screenshot on the companion page of what seems to be a test of integrating WhatsApp into the main Facebook app. Facebook seem to be testing this explore feed that they're gonna be rolling out globally. And in certain countries, they're testing it in different ways. So in Slovakia, Sri Lanka, Serbia, Bolivia, Guatemala, and Cambodia, they're showing all posts from your friends plus sponsored posts in the news feed and then any posts by pages are moved to the explore feed. So there's been quite a lot of articles written about what does this mean for organic reach on Facebook. I mean really I don't think it means a huge amount because organic reach doesn't hugely exist on Facebook for pages these days anyway. You're only ever going to hit a small percentage of your followers without amplifying your posts with some media spend. The head of newsfeed, Adam Masseri at Facebook, has responded, so I'll just read his statement. There have been a number of reports about tests we're running in Sri Lanka, Bolivia, Slovakia, Serbia, Guatemala and Cambodia. Some have interpreted this test as a future product we plan to deliver globally. We currently have no plans to roll this test out further. We always listen to our community about ways we might improve newsfeed. People tell us they want an easier way to see posts from friends and family. We're testing having one dedicated space for people to keep up with their friends and family and another separate space called Explore with posts from pages. The goal of this test is to understand if people prefer to have separate places for personal and public content. We'll hear what people say about the experience to understand if it's an idea worth pursuing any further. There's currently no plan to roll this out beyond these test countries or to charge pages on Facebook to pay for all their distribution in Newsfeed or Explore. Unfortunately, some have mistakenly made that interpretation, but that was not our intention. It's also important to know this test in these six countries is different than the version of Explore that's rolled out to most people. Outside of the above countries, Explore is a complementary feed of popular articles, videos and photos automatically customised for each person based on content that might be interesting to them. We've heard from people that they want an easy way to discover relevant content from pages they haven't connected with yet. While Explore includes content from relevant pages, posts from pages that people like or follow will continue to appear in newsfeed. As with all tests we run, we may learn new things that lead to additional tests in the coming months so we can better understand what works best for people and publishers. So nothing definite, but 
if it's a test that works well, then how are they going to not respond to that test working well by rolling it out further? So I'm not sure if it entirely will um, ease people's minds, but that's what Facebook is saying and um, explore feed for most countries that people are probably listening to this in will be as they say here it won't be that brand pages and fan pages will only appear in there on to instagram so you may have seen within instagram stories that there is now an interactive poll sticker that you can add to your instagram stories so you can say should i buy this jacket yes or no one thing to be warned of is that people can see what you voted. It's not anonymous like it is in Twitter. So if you vote, no, don't buy that jacket. It looks awful. They will know that you've done that. But basically, you can use a sticker, put it on your Insta story, and then when you swipe up to see who's liked your post, that's where you'll also see the information about who's voted. I've also spotted a couple of surveys on Instagram within my main feed, uh, similar to the surveys that you see from brands on Twitter sometimes. So I had one that just asked me if I remembered seeing an advert for Milky Bar in the last few days within Instagram, which I do not, but perhaps I am part of the control group that was not shown the ad. Again, there's a screenshot on the companion page. Instagram released their latest stats. So they now have 800 million users engaging on at least a monthly basis and 500 million using the service on a daily basis. So that's gone from 700 million in April. So it's growing rapidly and it's got now 2 million advertisers on the platform, which was up from 1 million in March. And most of that's actually come from small and medium-sized businesses in terms of them getting involved. And the time spent by users viewing video on Instagram is up 80% year on year. And users are producing more video, so four times as many per day as they were last year. So all going in the right direction for Instagram. There's also been a new ad format spotted where it encourages you to go to that person's profile with a view to following them. Again, there's a screenshot on the companion page. In terms of WhatsApp, staying with the Facebook family, the WhatsApp for business that I think I've mentioned on a previous podcast, there have been rumours that it was coming. Well, there's now a review on androidpolice.com. Again, the link is on the companion page to show what's coming from that there's some people testing whatsapp for business now and they talk about how it's working for them and the various options so have a look at that and whatsapp have also created its own range of emoji so they're extremely similar to the ones that apple have but just a couple of changes not sure if that's because they're trying to reduce their reliance on third parties but they haven't actually used the same ones that they're using for messenger which seems a bit odd i think facebook and messenger use one set of emoji unless you're on ios and then you have a different version and then instagram is using whatever is default on the phone so facebook doesn't even have a consistent approach to emoji Maybe one day we will have a single emoji language across the world. On to Twitter. So Twitter are trialling some new ad units where there is a video in your newsfeed and then you click the video and it takes you through to 
a landing page where you have a video at the top of the page and then the website loads in the bottom portion of the screen. So they're calling it a video website card and it's designed to support the objectives of buyers who want video views and website traffic. So they've been testing it since the second quarter and they're saying that the video website combo is doubling click-through rates compared to industry averages of mobile video and it's increased user retention by 60% so far. Twitter are also rolling out a happening now feature that's gonna group tweets by event. So they're starting with sports games. So the algorithm will choose events to highlight and then target them to individual users and they'll display at the tops of their timelines. So it might be if there's a football game on, for example, you'd be able to go into that and see everyone that's tweeting about that football game. So kind of like a moment, but just talking about what's happening now. Twitter is also supporting brands with the creation of content. They've got a small in-house shop called Fuel um, that's going to help brands create punchy, quick content for the platform. So they've already been working with some brands. They work with Macy's to repurpose their full fashion campaign by editing it to create short form content that's customised for Twitter. And Twitter is saying video ads are Twitter's top selling format, but not every advertiser has the time, resources or insights to create Twitter specific ads. In response, we rolled out Fuel's editing services to optimise creative without losing impact for Twitter in stream video ads, promoted video and ads that run in live streaming. Of course, the big news that you might have seen in the last couple of weeks is that Twitter is testing out with a small group of people increasing the character limit to 280 from 140 characters. There's a link to their blog about that on the companion page and also a link to a great piece by Joey Dakin who writes the Digital Sense blog where he's saying, um, and I completely agree with him, that that you know people get quite precious about the 140 characters and say that's the purpose of twitter but actually if the purpose of twitter is about what's happening now live events and you want to make it as easy as possible for users you can see that people are already trying to find workarounds of the 140 characters by the way that people reply to themselves to create a thread or they do a screenshot of something that they've written in notes so that they can say something more so actually if 280 characters gives people the opportunity to say what they need to more easily and more quickly then that's actually a good thing they are only doing it in countries that are struggling so in japan for example people rarely get to 140 characters they're able to say what they need to say in fewer than that but in markets like the UK, we're always crunching right up to 140. So that's why they're testing this out. As always, it was a great opportunity for some humour on Twitter. So I've put some example tweets. There was a great one. Durex India used it as an opportunity to promote their range for extended pleasure. Uh, Germany, their foreign office did a tweet saying it's now 280 characters or as we say in Germany, four words. So some good examples of people having a bit of fun with it. On to Snapchat. So Snapchat are reportedly trying to become like WeChat in the US. So they're integrating with more companies so that they can be a real one-stop shop app for their users. So they've already integrated experience like Shazam music recognition. You can obviously read magazines via Discover Partners. 
celebrity news in official stories, which is where they're now pulling in verified accounts, uh, sending money to friends through Snapcash. So they're also now tying in with people like Open Table for restaurant reservations, Lyft for ride hailing, to make it a real one app for everything. In an interview with the Financial Times, Spiegel said this experience is really only possible if you've created an ecosystem where people feel comfortable creating a huge amount of content and where people feel comfortable expressing themselves. We're just at the beginning of powering that experience. So if you think about Facebook is obviously trying to also emulate WeChat because it's got pages, Messenger, Instagram, but it's different apps that you're using for different things, whereas Snap is trying to have a single portal for everything. But maybe that will mean that Snapchat can make themselves more profitable if they manage to pull that off. Let's hope so, because I've still not bailed out on my shares in them yet. There's been a small study by Media Kicks on influencers and their use of Snapchat. And it was only across 12 influencers, but they looked at their posts that they did in February 2017 and then again in August. And they found that they're posting 33% less to Snapchat and 14% more to Instagram stories. Part of this, they think, is because influencers have felt like they weren't really being supported that well by Snapchat. They were... Um, things around verification of their accounts and technical support and stuff was annoying them but it looks like snapchat are now trying to step up their efforts to win over influencers so i mentioned earlier about official stories where verified accounts are going to be pulled into a particular area so they're testing that now and um they're trying to make some more tweaks that should hopefully improve the experience a bit more for influencers and hopefully they can get them back onto the platform. Snapchat are also working with 14 more companies that it's added to the roster of creative partners to help brands drive ROI when they're swiping up on a vertical ad. So they're looking at people that produce content, uh, custom coupons, track redemption, custom games, interactive videos, lead generation. You might have seen the AR stuff that they did with Jeff Koons where they'd got different sculptures appearing in various cities. Uh, one, The one in Central Park actually got artificially vandalised as well by someone using the exact same GPS coordinates of the original balloon dog and creating a grungy version all graffiti. So even in augmented reality you can still get vandals but I've put links to that so that you can see it on the companion page. Couple of things on Apple. One, I've been quite impressed by the do not disturb function that can switch on your phone when driving and the way that that messages people to say, I've got do not disturb switched on at the moment. So that's why I haven't read your message. Again, there's a screenshot of that within the companion page. And then secondly on Apple, there's been an update to the Safari browser, which means that they are limiting ad tracking. So it means it's obviously protects users' data privacy, but it could potentially hurt advertisers. So users can't be tracked by third parties for more than 24 hours after visiting a website. There's been some outrage from ad agencies saying that 
restrictions on retargeting data could hurt conversions and reduce reach by making it harder for advertisers to find users who fit specific demographics. Uh, but really, it shouldn't be a huge problem. For a start, I think only 4% of desktop traffic and 29% of mobile traffic goes through Safari. So it's not a huge piece of the pie. I think it's quite interesting, though, that Apple are the only brand, really, that don't care about this because their revenue comes from selling devices, unlike Facebook, Google and Amazon. So if they want to change the way people attract on their devices, they can do it and they don't really care. Just one on apps. So I obviously mentioned earlier about Facebook and their CV option. There is also the new Bumble Biz. So Bumble, the dating app, which is very similar to Tinder, apart from it has to be the woman that messages first when you get a match. But now they have created Bumble Biz. So users can build a separate work profile and then swipe on potential clients, employees, and collaborators. And standard Bumble users can access biz mode just by updating their app in the App Store. True to Bumble's mission of empowering women to make the first move, biz is for finding mentors and building one's network, not necessarily for recruiting or selling. Um, so no stats yet, but there's 20 million users of Bumble, so it'd be interesting to see how many of them go on to use the business version. While we're on the topic of business, LinkedIn are running a closed beta test of video sponsored content. So they're doing it with Prudential Financial and Microsoft Canada amongst about 100 other companies. They're planning to make video sponsored content available for all brands in the first half of 2018. So it's starting off just on mobile, but desktop will be added in the near future. Brands can upload video content via campaign manager, their company pages or their showcase pages, and then it can be promoted as part of sponsored content campaigns. It'll offer the same targeting options as other LinkedIn advertising options. So looking at data from member profiles like company size, geography, job title, etc. And there'll be reporting tools as well on the metrics like view count and views by percentage of completion, etc. Stay in with LinkedIn and video, they've added some Snapchat style filters to videos that are created within the LinkedIn app. So they are location based and they're primarily going to be used at events. So if you attend a specific event where the feature is enabled, then you can add illustrations to the videos and then share it within the LinkedIn app. And the graphics look like conference badges with your profile photo in the right corner and they'll indicate if the person sharing the video is a speaker at the event as well. So they've said that on the platform, video is shared 20 times as much as any other type of content. So they only rolled out their video creation tool in August, but it's been very popular with people attending events. So that's why they're using this Snapchat style filter at them. A couple of things on Google. One, they are improving maps for wheelchair users. So there's a link to a blog post about this on the companion page, but they are asking people to answer questions within Google Maps about accessibility at various locations to update the maps so that there's more information there for wheelchair users. They're also doing a series on YouTube called Rolling On where they're looking at life from the perspective of a wheelchair user, I think they've done a couple of countries so far, but there's going to be more episodes coming out. Again, one of those is embedded on the companion page. 
And Google are also working with publishers to drive subscriptions. So they're in discussion with News Corp, the New York Times and the Financial Times to develop some new AI tools that will make it easier to market and sell subscriptions online. So by using Google's user data to recognise potential subscribers and tailor subscription offers. So they're unveiling some new tools in the coming weeks to make it easier for publishers to monetize their content. And they're also looking at how they can improve the speed of purchase so it might come down to Google storing payment data so that people can get subscriptions with one click. On to Google's search competitor, Microsoft. They're piloting a program to have a chatbot extension on Bing, the search engine. So if you searched for a particular restaurant, for example, there might be an option where it says questions and then you can ask that restaurant bot for help. So by clicking on the chat button, a Skype window will pop in the bottom right hand corner of the browser window and then people can ask questions. So Microsoft is saying as users interact in more conversational ways through voice and search brands, you will reach users in a more natural way through direct conversation keeping customers informed by asking questions and gaining answers quickly through an intelligent bot. So that's the digital news for this week. Just some interesting brand stories or some nice things that I've seen this week. Airbnb, this is a bit of a random one. So Airbnb is extending its brand identity from the virtual world into bricks and mortar and is partnering with a developer to build some branded apartments. So it's interesting in a world where everything's becoming virtual, Airbnb are becoming actual. So they are partnering with a company to build a 300 home development near Orlando and it'll be rolled out at scale if they're successful there. The distinguishing features of the branded complex include keyless doors, secure storage and an app through which tenants can coordinate their stay by arranging room services. They're working with a developer called NewGuard who will take 25% of the nightly room rate Airbnb take 3% cut and the remainder will go direct to the tenant. There's a link to an article about that on the companion page. John Lewis are the first retailer to test 360 degree Facebook ads. Viewers can check out exclusive items from every angle and that will direct users to the website to purchase with one click. Footage has been pieced together from video footage shot in a house in Streatham which was styled with product that's only available at John Lewis. Sainsbury's are also doing some tests so they have shot their latest ad through the lens of Snapchat spectacles and they're the first UK brand to use the glasses to film an ad and it's going to appear in Snapchat. It was shot in a 115 degree circular format to give a first person viewpoint designed to capture the comforting feeling of huddling around a hot pot of food and diving straight into the saucepan for a taste. And Sainsbury's have said there's a whole new generation of people who are walking through the doors of Sainsbury's every day and we feel like it's our duty to not only represent them in advertising but also to do it in ways that they recognise for themselves with new creative means and the new languages of mobile. You can rotate your phone and see more action from different perspectives through the ad and then if you swipe up you'll get a host of autumnal recipes from Sainsbury's. In a month where Uber have not necessarily had uh, the best press in terms of them not getting their license renewed in London, so one nice thing that they're doing in the US, they've got an ubersignlanguage.com where they are teaching people through a mini course of sign language 
how to communicate. So it's got things like, hello, I am whoever, thank you, turn left, turn right. Just a nice, simple little site. There's a link to that on the companion page. Also, Uber have been in the news because they have filed a lawsuit against Fetch Media Limited, which is a mobile ad agency, part of the Dentsu group. And they are alleging that the agency misrepresented the effectiveness of its mobile ads, failed to prevent ad fraud and didn't return rebates owed to Uber. There's a lot of he said, she said in terms of this court case. I'm sure it'll go on for a while, but it does raise important questions where there is a lot of distrust between clients and agencies, I think, especially around digital advertising and what they're actually getting for their money. Is it really viewable, etc.? So there's a link to an article about this if you want to read some more information about that. Netflix did a brilliant cease and desist letter to someone who had created a Stranger Things pop-up shop. But basically, they did it completely themed around the show. So it says, my walkie-talkie is busted, so I had to write this note instead. I heard you launched a Stranger Things pop-up bar at your Logan Square location. Look, I don't want you to think I'm a total wasteoid, and I love how much you guys love the show. Just wait until you see season two. But unless I'm living in the upside down, I don't think we did a deal with you for this pop-up. You're obviously creative type, so I'm sure you can appreciate that it's important to us to have a say in how our fans encounter the worlds we build. We're not going to go full Dr. Brenner on you, but we ask that you please, one, not extend the pop-up beyond its six-week run ending in September, and two, reach out to us for permission if you plan to do something like this again. Let me know as soon as possible that you agree to these requests. We love our fans more than anything, but you should know that the Demogorgon is not always as forgiving, so please don't make us call your mom. So, nice way to stay in the brand, but also send a legal letter. IKEA have launched a brilliant AR app that enables you to put their furniture in your living room and see how it would look. So again, there's an embedded link to that on the companion page. It was World Architecture Day. I don't know if you saw the amazing thread of conversation between various buildings across the UK. So St Paul's Cathedral, I think York Minster, various different buildings that all have social media accounts started having conversations about how great they were on World Architecture Day. A brilliant example of great tweets. I also really enjoyed an article in Adweek, which was about how it's really difficult to draw logos from memory. So have a look at that. There's a link on the companion page, but it's logos like Domino's, Starbucks. In fact, if you're listening to this, have a go at drawing those and then have a look at the website and see if you've been able to draw them accurately. Weatherspoons have an app where you can order products. And there was a brilliant thing on Twitter where a guy called Nick in Sheffield was out for his birthday at the banker's draft Weatherspoons, and they asked people to send him a drink on the app so people started sending all kinds of random things off the menu again the thread of those tweets is on the companion page have a look at that waterstones ran the world cup of books with richard osman so if you've listened to this podcast before you'll know i talk about the uh, world cup of chocolate that he did a couple of years ago did one of crisps and one of biscuits but they've done one of books now to kill a mockingbird was the one that won but again great example of using the functionality within twitter to do polls to really create some engagement with the brand couple of cool things from burger king so one 
they have been looking for tweets where people have complained about Wendy's removing a spicy chicken nugget product line and then they've promoted those tweets to support the launch of their own spicy nuggets. So quite a nice way to use negative sentiment around one of your competitors and actually amplify that to boost your own launch. And then what I've really liked that Burger King have done in the last week is a video about bullying. So showing how people are more likely to speak up about their burger being smashed up than when they see kids bullying another kid in the restaurant in front of them. So have a look at that video. It's embedded on the companion page. And you might also have seen on Twitter a thing around KFC in the last couple of weeks where someone had spotted that KFC's Twitter account follows 11 people. It follows the five Spice Girls and then six guys named Herb. Now, this took off in a tweet by at Edget22, but people have done a bit more research and found that the first person who spotted it was actually Laurel Bartlett. So I've put both of those tweets on the companion page as well, but just shows that quite often people copy a tweet that they've seen somewhere else, claim it as their own, and then they end up being the one that gets all the retweets. So if you have liked Edget22, go and unlike him and go and like Laurel Bartlett because she was the one that saw it in the first place. And if you ever share anything that you think's great, then always give credit. Quote tweet it rather than just nick it. I mentioned Emerald Street in the last podcast because they were talking about this very transparent loyalty program that they were starting on their emails. Well, it started and uh, they do tell you what level you are in your email. I am obviously top level, number five. And so far I've had a code for a free pair of tickets for Stylist Live. So nice that they are treating their loyal customers There was a really good article from Mark Ritson this week on the marketing funnel. Obviously, people talk quite often about digital having an impact on the marketing funnel. I think Sheryl Sandberg recently talked about how it's compressing down and you're moving from one stage to the other much quicker as a consumer. But his point is everybody's marketing funnel is going to be different and you have to let it be driven by the consumer and then you have to make sure that you're supporting your consumer at each stage of their journey. So again, a link to that is on the companion page. Walmart in Canada are creating an original series for YouTube. One person I saw share this article was saying it's quite frustrating because the the headline in Adweek is that Walmart Canada is creating a new scripted branded content series that aims for authenticity. I mean, it should just be a show. Talking about content even is a bit of a bugbear of mine. But anyway, Upstairs Amy is a dramedy that's going to be available on YouTube and it follows the lives of three modern women. It's about millennial parents and the differences between what their lives are now and what they thought they'd become. So Amy's moved apartments with her family and enlists her friends' help to find out more about her new neighbours. They document their search in a series of YouTube videos. And they've got some actual social media influences in it as well. And they're saying that they want to reflect the core values of the brands and the changing family dynamic across the world. So they've got various brands that are part of it. Hamilton Beach is the official small kitchen appliance partner for the series. So they've got various products in the videos throughout. 
So I'll keep an eye out for that and embed a link when an actual show exists. And then finally, Piccadilly Circus. You will potentially have seen that the boards are having a bit of an overhaul. So there's gonna be a next generation billboard replacing what used to be there. So the Sanyo sign and everything is gone. And Landsec has devised this next generation display, which obviously it can be viewed, but it can also view itself. So it can spot specific vehicle makes and models and colors, and then it can respond with tailored adverts, which is obviously quite interesting in terms of targeting. I'm not quite sure how it's gonna to decide to target one car and not the car behind it, but there we go. Um, and it's also gonna be able to adapt in real time to the weather for example so it's lots of interesting opportunities for brands there rather than having lots of different screens it's just one huge screen but it can be cut up in different ways so someone could take over the entire screen if they wanted to which would be like in Times Square in New York or it can be split up for smaller advertisers as well that is a summary of everything that I've seen in the last few weeks bit of a long one this week but I will get back on track in terms of doing this podcast more regularly I promise. I hope that you found this week's podcast useful do let me know by tweeting at LTD or emailing kate at katehamer.com let me know anything you'd like to hear in the future and I will speak to you all soon.